Welcome to the Body by Phil podcast. My name is Phil. I am a personal fitness trainer and a champion natural bodybuilder. But before I became an award-winning trainer, I had to battle a 20-year drug and alcohol addiction. I had to fight obesity, binging, and other eating disorders, and a variety of many serious health issues. Through my unique experiences, I have successfully helped over 400 people reach or exceed their fitness goals. It is my sincere pleasure to help you do the same. Welcome back to the Body by Phil podcast. This is Phil. This is episode six, and I like to call this one, The Transformation Begins. I finally hit a point in my life where I knew that it was uh, a time for a change and I had to stop thinking about myself and uh, all the selfish things I had been doing and the destructive behavior. Uh, It wasn't only taking a a toll on me physically, mentally, spiritually, in every which way possible, but when I looked outside of that and saw what it was doing and the fear and I'm sure, um, you know, the the stress it was causing to my son and, you know, he was scared and afraid uh, for my own health and safety and everything else, then that really kind of lit that uh, fire under me. And I was definitely um, ready to change. In fact, more than ready, I was like a steamroller. Um, When I put my mind to doing this, all all I needed was a little coaching, a little encouragement, and uh, somebody on my side. This was something I wasn't used to having. I certainly didn't have it with uh, my wife, and I didn't... uh, have it with the friends that were in my life you know looking back now I I say friends and I use that term very very lightly because what I the people that were in my life were all very like-minded and the one thing I found through the addiction recovery is uh, and I find it with any kind of addiction in in all kinds of walks of life is you have the same like-minded people with you and near you Rather, you're successful, you're going to find that you're with successful people. If you are into drugs and drinking and addiction, you're going to have those sorts of people in your life too. They really, really do go hand in hand. And, you know, the saying where there's smoke, there's fire, that's absolutely correct. So not only did I have to make these these changes um, with my habits, with my drinking, with my eating, now turning uh, to working out, that was all, I've all, I tried all of that once before, you know, many, many times before. And because of the people in my life, I kept getting drawn back and sucked back into to, um, the bad stuff. So once you commit to make these changes, man, either people in your life either have to get on board with you or jump ship, man. You know, there's just no other way. If you're serious about doing it and doing it right, you have to put you first. You know, if if you don't take care of you, then then what else really is there? You know, you certainly can't. I, I, I couldn't be there for my son. I wouldn't be any help to other people or anything like that. So a, a big part of this was to look at myself and um, say, yeah, okay, number one, I have a problem. Number two, I can't do this on my own. And, you know, to do that takes a humbling experience. It takes, you got to take your ego out of it. 
uh, and you have to submit and have faith. Uh, if you don't have it in yourself, you better put it in the person that is going to help you achieve these goals. And that's what I did. Uh, when I decided to get myself better and I hired a trainer, it's, it was kind of funny because he was uh, the same age as me uh, to the month and year, which was crazy to me. And he was a bodybuilder. So his physique looked absolutely perfect. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And all of a sudden, because of the same age and, and everything, that sort of gave me some inspiration, some hope immediately. I'm like, all right, look at this guy, man. You know, he can do it, you know. And he was so nice and so friendly and, and overwhelmingly supportive and positive. This is, again, something I'm just simply not used to at this stage of my life. So when we had our consultation and I sat there and he's asking me all these questions, you know, and he's taking a lot of notes and he's nodding and he's smiling, you know, when I would say things and I could tell that, you know, I was really hitting, uh, resonating with, with him. I was hitting some, some topics I'm sure he's heard many times, uh, about diet and, you know, the lack of exercise, the alcoholism, you know, the whole bit. And then I, I looked at him, and, and when we were done with the consultation, I, I really kind of half expected him, more than half really, to look at me and say, I, I really don't think um, this is going to be for you. I don't think you could do this. Uh, I think you're probably too far gone. I don't think you take it seriously. And I mean, I really expected to hear all of this. And instead, he looked at me and said, all right, let's do this. You know, start, can you start tomorrow? And holy cow, you know, I'm like, wow, this, this person, he's ready to take me on. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be under this guy's guidance. And, and, um, he was a very nice guy. Uh, so I, the, day one, you know, I showed up and, uh, I am ridiculously out of shape. I, I cannot stress that enough for all of you who may be hearing this and think that you're out of shape. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Everything was a struggle putting my coat on. You know, um, everything, you know, trying to button something, you know, it was just really, really hard, uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable and, you know, hard, it was hard to breathe and hard to move. And I had, everything was stiff and sore. The knees hurt, the back hurt, the neck hurt, the joints hurt. Everything was inflamed. Uh, um, I found out later, I mean, it's all because of the, most of it from the diet, you know, those, these these inflammatory foods and non-activity, everything just kind of locks up and seizes up. So we start, you know, day one. Well, 15 minutes, <laughs> 15 minutes into the warm-up, I'm dying. <laughs> I, I realized right then that this was going to be the hardest and the greatest thing I had ever done in my life. So I, I go through this rigorous training where, remember, I, I only had so much money um, that I could afford a, a trainer. And I think I started with him about two days a week. So I needed homework. I needed other things. I didn't want to just do two days a week. What am I going to do with the other days in the week, right? I know what I'm going to do. So I, need, I needed something to keep me kind of grounded and into a routine. Uh, I like to be in some kind of routine. My routine previously to working out was not a great one. You know, drink, eat, repeat. 
So I needed something to fill that time. I didn't want a lot of free time. So uh, I would have him write me programs to do on my off time. So I'd go to the gym and I would work on things on my own. And while I would be doing that, I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. Um, I remember one day I'm sitting there and I'm trying to bench press and I didn't have very much weight on there, just the bar and a little bit of other weight. And uh, my form was so bad. I mean, my legs are coming up off the ground. The weights are starting to slip off the bar. You know, it's, it's you know, not secure in my hands. I'm, and a guy was walking in the gym. He had a gym bag, you know, on his shoulder. He ran over to me and he grabbed the bar off of me and, and set it up. And, uh, you know, I look like a fish out of water underneath the bench. And he looked at me and he said, you know, boy, what are you doing? You know, and I said, I don't know. You know, I got kind of defensive right away. And he said, uh, you work in chess today? I said, yeah. And he said, well, come on, come on, follow me, you know. I'm doing chess today too. Let's, uh, let's work out a little bit. I'll show you some stuff. I couldn't believe it. I mean, here's another total stranger never met before in my life. Uh, willing to help me. You know, what is that all about, you know? So, again, you know, I'm starting to see that the people that are coming into this, to this building, to this gym very like-minded they had goals you know they wanted in some way to improve themselves not damage themselves um, do something that was going to add years to their life you know make them healthier and feel better not the opposite not start subtracting them so you know I would take these lessons home and I'd go back home and I, I would t try to tell my wife what I was doing and she would she get really upset, you know, because I'm not drinking now, and she is. She's still drinking, and, you know, I would start uh, writing up programs, and I would be on my phone looking up uh, YouTube videos on working out. I mean, I'm starting to really dive into this and get into it, and I'm prepping my food. You know, I'm cooking chicken and rice and vegetables, and I'm putting them in containers and labeling them on what day and what time to eat them. I'm putting them in a refrigerator. This is all something, I mean, this was, uh, this was completely out of character for me. And again, there was no support here. She was getting more and more antagonistic and upset. So it was coming to the point where she kept trying to pull me back into alcoholism and, and she'd start drinking and having people over, starting having parties in the house, you know, um, that I wasn't really even invited to in my own house, you know, and um, people come over and drink and you know that's hard to do for an alcoholic to be around that um, anything that you're addicted to you know it could be anything you know you certainly don't want to always have that in your face you know because you know let's face it I was only you know sober a short amount of weeks a couple maybe a month or so it couldn't compare to the 20 years of of alcohol addiction and drugs I mean when, when I talked about breaking my hand when I had the pins in the hand, the one thing I didn't mention that I should is when they gave me the pain pills, you know, for the hand, I had never had pain pills before. And I think it was Percocet they gave me or Vicodin something. I, 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 of course, as an addict, you know, you start taking something that makes you feel numb and take you out of reality. Well, there you go. That was beautiful. It's exactly what I wanted. So, boom, there you go. Here's another addiction. So pretty soon I'm scoring O's on the street. You know, I'm grabbing Oxycontins and, and this and that. I'm taking this stuff hand over fist, man. I I was on those for, oh, a good year. I mean, I would mix them right with alcohol. And, and you know, you're just numb. You just can't even move. 
you know, so I got into that too. So that I kind of kicked that though. I did kick that, you know, when you run out of money, you know, you know it's, you know, you have something else to give. And so I really couldn't afford that anymore and continued with the alcohol and whiskey, of course, until, until I decided to stop all that cold turkey. But going back to, um, you know, my wife, and it was her and my son at home. And I was starting to see progress, you know. Say a month goes by, another month goes by. I'm starting to drop weight. You know, my gym clothes are getting tighter or looser, you know. They used to be super tight. You know, I'm starting to wear tank tops, which I never used to do. Um, People are starting to recognize, you know. I'm at the gym and a guy's like, hey, you dropping weight, dude, you know. Man, I never heard these things before. Encouragement. People coming up from behind me, putting their hand on my back or my shoulder and say, you look great, man. You're doing awesome. Keep it up. And man, there you go. You know, I only had one more set to do. Man, I knock out three more sets, man. You know, you hear that encouragement. I never had that. I'd never had that. I didn't know what it felt like. It felt good. So I started surrounding myself with more and more of these people, you know, and I'd start introducing myself. They'd come up to me. Um, the workouts were getting intense. My trainer was pushing me hard, you know, and, and the harder he would push me, the harder I'd push back because I didn't want to let him down. You know, he, he gave me a chance. He gave me a fighting chance and believed in me. And I didn't want to fail. My son was taking notice. You know, everything was going really well. Only thing in my life that was horrible still was my marriage. Well, as I started to drop more weight and start to see, remember, I was 304 pounds when I started this. So I started to see some result. I'm starting to see body fat come off. I'm doing a lot of cardio. I'm doing a lot of core, a lot of crunching. I went in for a physical, uh, you know, it was the same guy that, uh, you know, the, the whole gallbladder situation and everything. And I started dropping that weight and I went back and he's like, yeah, you're doing it, man. You're doing really, really good. You know, he's very, very positive and upbeat and, you know, keep, keep it going. And I remember I said something to him. I said, um, I just can't wait till I can, you know, see my abs. I, even in the military, I didn't have like a solid six pack or anything. You know, I, I just didn't have that. And he looked at me. He said, "Well, unfortunately, you have such thick fat in your abdominal section that without cosmetic surgery and, and liposuction, you're you're likely to never really, really see your abs. Your core is just too too big." <clears throat> that was extremely discouraging to me. I. That was one of my goals because I wanted I wanted a I wanted a nice flat stomach. So when I heard that, I was really deflated. So when I was with my trainer one day, I was sitting there and I'm doing doing all these crunches. He's got me doing these just crunch after crunch, and it was hurting. You know, it was really hard. And I remember I, I just said, you know, why are we even bother doing this if I'm never really going to see my core? You know, change. Why why bother? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, I have too much fat around my midsection. I'm never going to see my abs. And he said, you know, what jerk told you that? I said, well, my doctor, he said, it's not true. It's not true. We just have to keep pushing. You got to keep pushing. You got to keep the diet going. You got to keep targeting these abs. You got to keep the cardio high. You got to keep burning and burning and burning. And he was right. I mean, you know, we can only do so much in an hour. An hour a week wasn't enough. You know, an hour twice a week wasn't enough. Not for the result I wanted. 
uh, I'm all in. I want this now. So I would do this stuff at home. I remember I would lay in front of my TV. And when I would sit up, you know, I'm facing the TV. I'm on the floor. I'd lay in front of the TV. As I would sit up, my stomach would be in the way and I couldn't see the screen. Uh, and then I'd go back down and do another crunch, you know. But as the weeks went along, you know, when I would do my full sit-up, I'd see a little sliver of daylight, you know, on that screen. I'd see a little bit of the picture. I'd get back down, I'd come up, you know, and then as the weeks went by, then I could see a little bit more of the screen, and pretty soon all of the screen, and pretty soon, you know, the, the stomach's getting flat. It, it was incredible. I remember the first day I actually saw an ab. I was, uh, I got up, I was getting ready to go take a shower, I took my shirt off, but I walked past the mirror and I kind of glanced at the mirror and boom, I stopped, I looked again, like holy crap, there was like, there was like, um, like a shadow of my abdominals that I could actually see coming through. So I was very excited about that, right? When you start to see the progress of your hard work, what greater motivator is that, especially when you've never had that before. You never saw success with what you were doing, right? So obviously this was starting to affect my marriage even more. So, I mean, we, the, I was only still married for my son. I, I didn't want to um, leave and, and have him, you know, back and forth or go through any of that like his brother and sister did. Um, so I, I was really trying to stay with him till he got a little bit older, and then I knew I, I mean I knew that a divorce and a separation was inevitable. It was just a matter of time. I was planning on staying with it longer, and they tell you you know that's the wrong thing to do. Don't stay for the kids because um, you know it just makes things worse. And and you when you fight and argue, and I, I see that clearly now. It's harder when you're in it, man. It's just it's tougher. It's tougher to do when you're in that situation. Uh, it's easy to look outside it and say, yeah, you shouldn't do that. But when you're in it, it's a, it's a different. So I remember I thought, well, okay, I'm starting to change, not just physically. I mean, I was really starting to feel good. But I was starting to um, feel good emotionally. Like all these things in my life that used to be impossible were all of a sudden becoming possible. Things I couldn't do because of my alcoholism and my obesity um, I was starting to be able to do, I was starting to become, you know, very active. I could play outside with the kids, you know, I could throw footballs and, and run around and, and race, you know, uh, do all these things. And I remember I, I sat outside, I kind of already expected the answer. I knew what answer I was going to get when I proposed this question to my wife. I already knew the answer. But I, I said, I, I need to hear this. So I told her, I, we sat outside on a picnic table, and I said, I want you to stop drinking. Um, I think you should start getting yourself fit in shape for the kids. Uh, I'm not going to stop now. I'm going to continue on doing this, and we're at a crossroads now. I cannot be with somebody that isn't going to be like-minded with me. I, it, it's it's sink or swim for us now. We either do this together or it's time. She looked me dead in the eyes and had no problem saying, she said, pack your stuff and get out. There was absolutely no way she was going to live a life of health and fitness. She would have no part of it. And I, I fully expected that. <clears throat> I expected it so much 
that I already had a place in mind to move to. You know, I had already kind of been researching this. Again, the delay, people I'm sure are listening saying, why on earth were you waiting this long? Well, my son, it's a simple, simple thing. And it wasn't as easy as it sounds to just take him and go. He was young and she was gonna fight me on that. And remember, the shooting, the weapons things, the children's services things, this was gonna be a battle. They were gonna have to pick between her and me on who Philip would go to. And honestly, at that point in my life, that could have went either way. And I didn't wanna draw the kids through it. You know, I didn't wanna go through that whole thing. The place I was looking at moving to was just right down the road. So I thought if her and I could come up with some kind of agreement, she didn't want to be married to me anymore. I didn't want to be married to her. We were strangers occupying the same residence. You know, had been for years, long time. So I, uh, I packed my things and I moved to an attic. Uh, a friend of mine who uh, had a small house, he had an attic that was uh, on the top of his house. It was very, very small, no air conditioning. Um, that kind of attic that you couldn't stand completely upright without hitting your head onto the sides of the walls because, you know, they A-framed up like, you know, um, very, very small. But it was something. And um, the thing is, I had to get away from the drugs and the alcohol uh, and, and that binge eating, you know, from her bulimia. She would just eat and eat and eat. And... I had to, if I had any shot, any real chance of making this work, I had to cut the cord. And the hardest thing about it was trying to explain to my son that I was moving out. That pains me to this day. Um, that, that day was tough. And of course, he was very upset and everything else. And he resented that. He, he, he was too young to understand that I was really doing this for him uh, at the time he he was too young to get that so when I, I spent the, the first night remember I was with this woman for 12 years and you know my son's now about 11 you know and um, it was really hard uh, staying there that, that first night without without him remember he used to come out of his room and, and lay on a couch next to me and we'd play video games and you know we were inseparable not being able to read him that curious book George that night you know and I, I, um, it was an absence it was a real it was a real loss and it was really really hard uh, going back to the gym training right remember my my trainer was a bodybuilder a competitive bodybuilder and he started to see things in me, uh, changes in developments, the way my muscles are starting to uh, develop. And he asked me one day, he said, you ever think about doing a show? And I didn't really know what he was talking about. I said, what do you mean? He's like, a, a bodybuilding competition. Well, I, you know, I laughed out loud. I mean, to me, even though I was, I dropped 134 pounds in my first year, 134 pounds. Uh, that seemed, I still wasn't happy, you know, I, I know I had made improvements, but to me, you know, I'm still just uh, Snickers a bar away, uh, Snickers bar away from being, you know, f fat again. Um, I still had a very poor self-image, you know. Um, 
I wasn't drinking anymore. I didn't really have any relapses at, at this time. I do have some that that come up here and there. Um, but at that time, I, I didn't. I really kind of kicked the alcohol, and I was eating really, really good, and I felt really good. And when the thought of doing a bodybuilding competition came up, I mean, to me, that was absurd. I still didn't like to take my shirt off or anything like this. I did have loose skin around my midsection. I get people asking me that a lot. And um, I, I still have it to this day. It, it's not a lot. I was very lucky. I, I think genetics play a big role in that. I know some people who've lost less weight uh, than that and still have a ton of loose skin they had to have removed. I never did have any surgical uh, procedures done or anything like that. I certainly didn't have any lipo or anything like that. And when I look back at my very first bodybuilding competition, you can see the loose skin around my midsection. And I used to actually have to learn to pose a certain way uh, for that loose skin not to be, um, you know, that apparent. But anyway, when he asked me, and my first immediate response was no. But then I started thinking, uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe. So this went on, uh, the training for a while. Like I said, I lost 134 pounds in one year, but I learned so much. I, I learned a lot on my own. Um, I learned a lot from my trainer. I was constantly researching and studying the best techniques and methods of not only uh, cardio, but weight training, resistance bands, uh, kettlebells, uh, full body type movements. I did all those like P90X cardio movements, uh, insanity. You know, there, there's a whole bunch of them out there, even Tybo, you know, I would do and watch. And, and I think it was because I, I dove into this so 100% and I really started to see those results and people would come up to me all the time, you know, and say, wow, what are you doing? How are you doing this? And when, because uh, they saw me, they saw me when that first day I walked into that gym and then they saw me a year later where I was, you know, leaning up and, and getting stronger and feeling pretty good. So that is my um, first experience uh, and when things first started out when I had this uh, first part of my transformation and I'm going to go into a lot more detail about relapses because I do have them um, and then gearing up I have done 17 natural bodybuilding competitions and I have been awarded 17 times with two championships. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about the training that uh, that is involved in that kind of discipline and that kind of you know um, food preparation and all of these things. And you know, I'm an addiction recovery facilitator and I, I get to hear people's stories all the time and they're very similar as far as how we handle these um, impulses when they come and how to battle them and how a lot of addiction is kind of premeditated uh, a relapse is premeditated in other words if i am an alcoholic and i already know that day when i'm going to go drink okay say i quit drinking for a year and then that urge starts coming in i'm planning when i'm going to break that and when i'm going to go because there's there's premeditation there the beer doesn't just show up magically in your hand or pour down your throat. You have to physically get up, plan to go buy this, you know, get in your car, drive to the liquor store, 
buy the beer, go home, open it, and drink it. There's a lot of moving parts there. So you know well in advance before you relapse that you're going to relapse. So I didn't know how to deal with those tools at the time. Uh, I was lucky enough that when I would have a relapse, I had really, really good people, the best people, pull me out of that and and just not let me do it. You know, I had people I could call. I wasn't a part of any kind of AA or anything like that, but I learned those principles of sponsorship by um, my hands would start to shake and I'd say, okay, you know, I got to have alcohol. I just got to have it. You know, that's how I used to deal with stress and everything else. So if I had a stressful day or a bad day or I was missing my son or anything like this, you know, then those urges were coming. And I just, I know that after, you know, half a bottle of whiskey, I'm not going to think or feel anything, you know, and, um, you know, the gym isn't open, so I can't go there and work out, you know, so what do you do then? Well, you call somebody. You know, you call them and you say, hey, I'm having this urge, man, talk me down. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that, that I had good people in my corner that would do that for me. And I thank God for, for them to this day. So that was my first experience walking into a gym and hiring a trainer. And in one year, dropping 134 pounds. And now I'm starting to get this bodybuilding bug. What is this all about? So uh, in my next segment, I'm going to talk about the things in the training that led up to my first show. And yes, pretty soon my son does. I do get custody of him and he moves back in with me. That's a whole nother saga. Okay, thank you again for joining Body by Phil, episode six. See you next time.